Hi, I'm Caroline Bauer. And I'm Drew Marshall. From Purdue University's Student Concert Committee. We're thrilled to announce our brand new podcast, SEC Presents. Throughout this podcast, we'll be giving you exclusive interviews of artists performing at Purdue University, as well as in-depth discussions of current music news and our favorite releases. For our first podcast, listen in to this insightful interview we have with poet, rapper, educator, and organizer, Malcolm London. Okay, so Malcolm London. Yeah. Tell us your inspiration for your debut album, Opia. Uh, yeah, my inspiration uh, is kind of just serendipitous. Uh, I was trying to figure out how to tie a music project together and, you know, really find my voice and, like, what I wanted to say. And uh, Opia is, like, I've been an artist for a long time, but it's the first, like, piece of work that was compiled in whatever way and I began as a poet and a book always seemed a little bit intimidating and so uh yeah and then uh the word opia I stumbled upon and it, it means the ambiguous intensity of looking someone in the eye which can feel both invasive and vulnerable and uh that's what I wanted to do with my first project was be vulnerable and uh just have a you know a project people could vibe with and feel like they were looking me in the eyes when they, when they listened to it definitely and I love uh, especially about that album like we've been listening to it especially since we've been asking and like how socially conscious yeah. and socially aware that is and like I was just wondering from your perspective you, you feel like the hip hop scene is going more into this connection between you know art and entertainment having to have a socially conscious voice like backing this music yeah I mean I think more than anything it's just uh, how shitty the world is right now. Uh, can I curse? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's I think it's relatively hard to be a human being and not have some kind of say or some kind of opinion. Uh, and so I think you know, artists artists is the extension of oneself, yeah. I believe. And so uh, you know, if people are this moment is becoming dire to say something. I think people have something to say. Uh, I think just, you know, yeah, so I think, yeah, absolutely, but but not necessarily anything special about the moment. I mean, I think artists always have, have leaned, you know, and added to the, to the landscape of uh, how they feel about things, and there's just a lot of shit to feel things about right now in 2017. Um, how long are you are known for a lot of your poetry too. What made you want to start making music? Uh, accessibility. Um, just, you know, I think it's, I've, I've taught in schools a lot and, and run around the classrooms and teach workshops to students and try to get young people to know, particularly young people who look like me or that come from the places I come from, to know that poetry isn't written by old dead white dudes who yeah. lived 100 <laughs> years ago, but that it can be something powerful and, and, and ignite something within yourself. And so that's cool, but that takes a lot longer than just, you know, putting it in something relevant to young people. And so I began with that idea is like, you know, if you want to talk to young kids for real, uh, you know, 
put it in the shit that they can digest. And also making music is fun as hell. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just a, it was just a different same same idea, just a different way to do it. You know, different tool, I guess. And so you said you're an educator too. Um, would you want to like give us a little background of you know how you got into education and just like your passion for it now and how that relates to you know the music you Yeah, I think I got inspired to do or be in an educational realm because my education was not the greatest uh, or a lot, it didn't allow for me to do the things that I wanted to do and so I wanted to create and, and spaces that you know allowed people to define for themselves themselves uh, and so yeah I began though in in poetry with a program called Louder Than a Bomb in Chicago uh, which is you know I think responsible for a lot of young people's I was responsible for uh, a lot of uh, people's, you know, uh, artistic start, I guess. Uh, and so when I say educator, I just mean, uh, you know, I mean in traditional sense, going to schools and colleges and youth prisons, but also what that means is just a curator and an entertainer in the classroom, I think is essentially what that means. And so, you know, trying to show young people that you could do, or, or people in general, that you could be whoever the fuck you want to be, uh, and also that is a learning experience. Um, how has your upbringing influenced your music and social activism? It all, every single day. So how is, is a, is a, it's a loaded is a, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything. But does like a certain like situation or moment like, come to mind? Just being, just being able to I, I mean, I attribute a lot to my, my mentors, just them giving me permission to say, like, you could do this thing uh, is the catalyst. But, yeah, I mean, when you come from a place like the west side of Chicago, there's a lot of stories that even as I, when I began, it wasn't that I was, like, trying to write poems to change the fucking world. Because yeah. poems can't do that. Organizing does that. But uh, they can allow you to reimagine possibility. And so, you know wanting to tell those stories of the places that I came from automatically you know because those stories hold so much weight already just in and of themselves and so uh, yeah I think influences every, everything um, what artists have influenced you the most uh, last night I did a James Brown cover James Brown's one of my favorite uh, artists um, yeah I mean my my biggest, I'm fans of a lot of my friends, uh, which is great. And so just being able to be in a space of artists that I respect and like who I study as my friends. Some of those folks are Chance the Rapper, No Name, Saba, uh, Kwaku uh, as well, and just folks in Chicago. But, and then, yeah, I, I would say those folks. Um, tell us about your relationship with Chance the Rapper. Yeah, uh, we, we grew up together. Uh, the same with most of those folks I named. Uh, in a in a space in the library downtown, and you know I think we all had dreams of something, but all of us are still very much amazed at how much the world is listening to us and how diligent we've been able to be. But yeah, I knew I knew Chance growing up in high school, like we were knuckleheads then, and now we're just knuckleheads with a, with a vision, you know. I think. Yeah, and I love like how that vision has really like entered the mainstream, especially like recently. You know, I mean, chances at the Grammys and everything like that. But you know, 
know, all these kids that are listening to his stuff and you guys' stuff, it's all it's catchy, it's fun, it's pop music, but it's real. Yeah. It's yeah. got this, you know, especially for people like us that aren't necessarily born, you know, in the west side of Chicago or experience that. Yeah. Helping become them a little more socially conscious and understanding. Work, that's great. That's great. So you teach, what are you involved with in Chicago right now? As a teacher, I still am involved in Young Chicago Authors. Uh, I'll, I'll teach one-off workshops from, from time is permitted. Um, or, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's really happenstance. I haven't been in a structured classroom space in about two years, working on music, trying to tour. Uh, but, you know, every once in a while, I'll get called to a school or, you know, especially if it's educators that I know and love and, uh, you know, I'll go visit a Westside classroom if a teacher I know asked me to, you know, for free if I have the time. Uh, and so in that capacity, I'm still CPS and then I run the open mic with Chance uh, every, every month. Do it. Um, but I mean, yeah, my life is always around, you know, the next generation of artists and so, you know, I mean, from like buying them Ubers or you know <laughs> like just you know checking on them or letting them them playing me music or something you know uh, yeah. cool. and uh, so you talked earlier about you know you guys are out there trying to get people organized like that's what makes the change the poets inspire the work right yeah absolutely but so what do you think your take on you know, organization right now in the current day like how are these groups and social justice uh in the moment right now i mean it's a tough moment to be organizing right now i think you know maybe a year ago two years ago i think we, we were at you know just just uh some people refer to it like chicago particularly in chicago or even in the nation just a renaissance you know i think with the availability of information via Twitter and social media and people being able to connect instantaneously has helped. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great organizations and there have always been, which is the, the thing. It's just now there's a lot more press and a lot more attention. Um, yeah, I think, but I think it's a wonderful moment and there always needs to be more people and more ideas and more conversation, always. Um, you said something along the lines, don't quote me, well, I'm quoting you, but you said if you're alive and you want to see other people alive, then you're an activist, yeah. and that you don't like the term activist. Yeah, well, because when I was a kid, or not a kid, but when I was started to be, uh, I think I first got really into organizing the activism when the teacher strike happened in Chicago, and that was like just, it hadn't happened in, you know, 20 or 30 years, and just like to be able to see you know, 90% of the teachers in Chicago say, nah, like, we are going on strike because shit is not good, you know, inspires a lot of folks. And so, but when I was coming up through that, uh, I, the word activist just, and no shots to people who've made great careers, you know, being in front of a camera and talking about issues, folks like Jesse Jackson or, or uh, what's the guy that's, uh, his name is escaping me. Hey, what's my man's, uh, he an activist, but he on TV. He got his own TV show. Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton's of the world. Just make it like a career thing. You know what I mean? And like, 
that shit's whack. Yeah, yeah. Or like that I'm doing this. I'm only an activist because I'm doing this to get something out of it as opposed to the selfless act of just trying to like make sure the world is better. And so, um, or like there's just hierarchies in that space, like you aren't as real an activist. And to me it's like my mom was an activist, you know, she didn't have a political theory, but she had to take care of two boys and work two jobs, you know, like that shit is harder than most of the shit we do on the streets, you know? Uh, and so like for me, it either like either act everyone is an activist or you don't get to like define and there's so many you don't get to define who is and who isn't right and then like just with the world being so fucked up there's you know so many problems meaning there are equally as many solutions and so you can't you know not any of those are wrong or right it's you know if if it's helping push folks i think it's i think it's right so i guess then how would you for us being students at Purdue University and other college students are in our situation that aren't necessarily in West Lafayette yeah. facing a lot of these problems or having right. that experience with that stuff, what would you say would be the steps that people like us can take to make a difference? Um, I mean, particularly the white folks, I would say uh-huh. get out of your hegemonic spaces and like go talk to people of color. One of the, you know, just like, you know, do that and, and you'll learn whether or not you know how to be invited to spaces and you know what I mean I like literally that's the tangible stuff but I think um, it feels like none of these issues are connected but they're from the like they are right especially folks in universities I say look at what your university is where is it buying shit what neighborhood is it in I mean the University of Chicago right now they're buying up all the, they're gentrifying people out of their shit and so, when when folks are like, "Well, I don't know what to do," well, you your your the institutional which you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to is doing fucked up shit. You can start right there. Mm-hmm. Most universities have lots of money in prison, uh, private prisons right now, and there's a bunch of campaigns to divest. And like in this actual space, which you may not be able to like go into a prison and talk to somebody in solitary confinement. But you can, you know, all of, you know, most of that information is public, especially in university, or at least you have the right to know that shit, right? Where does your university get, is it paying its laborers, the people that work here, right? This university makes hundreds of millions of dollars off of y'all too, right? And so you're also part of a system that like is profiting off of you and you're just in a much more equipped place to, to be mobile, I think. And so I just encourage folks to be diligent and that we live in an age of mass information like there's there's not you know you don't need to go ask the Malcolm Lenders of the world or, or whomever to, to figure out some shit you know this is what what do you all of our food is poison I mean there's so many things to like activate around uh, and I know that feels scary because there's a lot uh, but like there is and so yeah and just you know don't worry uh, the world is that fucked up that it also is affecting <laughs> You know, people who pay, you know, go to private schools. Um, last question. Yeah. What can we be expecting from Malcolm London in the future? Um, I'm working on, like, three different projects right now, uh, which I'm really excited about. One is poetry, uh, and I'm forever working on a book. But, uh, yeah, man, music soon, uh, before the end of the year, I think. And then, uh, 
just to continue to be as authentic and uh, as vulnerable as I've been and to grow and to learn and unlearn and relearn and to burn things, paper and, and institutions. So, yeah. Can we, have you and Chance talked about collaborating? Man, I mean, we're always in the same spaces. I, you know, he's as, as, as much as we are friends, I, you know, he's also one of the biggest stars in the world right now. And so, you know, I, I'm always just like not trying to ask for things. And if Chance, you know, I, we work, we all work with each other. If it happens organically, it will. But we also, we've collabed with each other for the past three years on most of, you know, the community shit and I'm, a, I'm comfortable with that and so yeah. hell yeah <laughs> uh, but you know I'm, you know yeah, it'll, it'll come when it comes I don't want to be that dude that's always asking for shit yeah and what is your book about? Uh, it's it's that's what I'm figuring out that's what I'm figuring out. I have a lot of poems I've been writing a lot I just moved to Cincinnati recently uh, to work on some corporate stuff with, with folks because you know, being, a, being an activist and a musician uh, is not profitable, uh, always. And so, um, yeah, I've just been doing a lot of writing. It'll be about some black shit, though. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> this has been SEC Presents Interview with Malcolm London. Thanks for listening, and be sure to stay tuned for future releases and exclusive interviews. We'll leave you with Malcolm London's House Party off his debut album, Opia. Everybody's dancing, I was playing no rhythm. Everybody's losing their mind. This is how we party when clubs they try to charge me. I'm not spending money tonight. Put up, got my friends and they got their friends. Don't need your permission to live. It's a house party.